Good morning, Wolf. Lovely to have you here this morning. Good morning, Felicity. Good to be here. Wolf, we've known each other for a number of years. You're an internationally recognized independent arbitrator and mediator practicing globally out of London, Washington, D.C. and Abu Dhabi. You've got a wide range of ADR experience. And more recently, you've been very closely involved with CEDA in the Investor State Mediation Initiative. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So let me start off, get to the point, and ask you to tell us a little bit about what Investor Dispute Resolution is all about. Yeah, thank you, uh, Felicity. I, I think particularly uh, today, as, as we see the uh, issues that uh, are developing with respect to international trade and supply chains in particular, this is a, uh, a topic that uh, really has to be uh, reviewed again, and that is Investor uh, state disputes uh, have been uh, ongoing, of course, for uh, decades. But what uh, happened over the last 50 years or so is that a system of dispute resolution uh, has uh, developed. And uh, in an in international context, really, this has been driven by the World Bank and by the uh, dispute resolution uh, arm of the World Bank called ICSID. So what uh, ICSID has tried to do over the last 50 years is to create a forum whereby disputes between investors that have invested, the foreign investors that have invested in a state could be resolved uh, in an amicable way. And so what ICSID developed were arbitration rules. They also have something called conciliation rules. And the conciliation rules, if you look at them, are basically a non-binding review of a situation with a, uh, an opinion provided at the end of the conciliation. What has really developed uh, over the last 25 years, however, is a system whereby most of these disputes will be resolved through arbitration. There is typically a three-person arbitral tribunal that is appointed under the exit rules, and the investor and uh, the state then make their representations to the tribunal. The tribunal then renders an award at the end of that. And uh, this has been typically the way these disputes have been resolved. There has been, certainly in the last decade or so, a pushback on that particular means of dispute resolution. States have found themselves in situations where certain decisions that have been taken by the state, which might be contrary to investments that were made in the state, uh, but the state felt they were taking these for in the best interests of its citizens, uh, where they found themselves on uh, the back foot and uh, subject to arbitral claims by investors as a result of, of these decisions. Uh, and they have felt that in, in these types of situations, their sovereignty has been impinged upon, that they're not able to make the types of decisions that are in the best interests of their citizens. And so 
they've started to fight back against uh, this system of arbitration that has developed in ISDS. And we can see that right now, actually, uh, with the European Union. The European Union belongs to a treaty called the ECT, the Energy Charter Treaty. That treaty was developed also over the last uh, 30 years or so to include uh, energy producing and energy transporting states. So there are about uh, 56 states that belong to the ECT. But because of certain decisions that were taken within EU countries with respect to energy in particular, some countries have found themselves on the end of these arbitration claims by investors. Um, and so the EU right now is, is uh, actually looking at withdrawing from the ECT because they just feel that these claims impinge on their ability to deal with their environmental policies, particularly going forward and the reduction of carbon-based uh, energy. So that's a real uh, live um, example of why states are, are fighting now against this arbitral system in investor state disputes that has developed. And so there has been since uh, early in the 2011 time period, a growing interest in utilizing mediation for these disputes. Now, as I said, uh, ICSID, part of the World Bank, had uh, conciliation rules and they had arbitration rules, but they never had actually mediation rules. ICSID uh, has, over the last few years, uh, been working closely together with CEDAR and also the ECT Secretariat to start to look at how mediation might play a role in investor state uh, disputes. Tell me a bit about the difference then between the conciliation option in ICSID and mediation. So ICSID now has uh, looked at mediation as a very different process than the conciliation process. So the conciliation process, much like arbitration, uh, appointed a panel of three conciliators that uh, then asked for submissions from the parties and would uh, review uh, also expert evidence provided uh, by the parties and uh, write uh, an opinion, uh, which was non-binding, but would be provided to the parties uh, with the goal that uh, the parties would abide by that opinion. It's interesting in the, in the 50 years that this has existed, the conciliation process has only been used about 13 times within ICSID. And the reason for that is because it is non-binding and the parties felt that they might as well simply go to arbitration rather than go through this conciliation process. And, and, and that's really uh, been the reason it's, it's not been used much. ICSID has now looked at mediation much more in the context of having a neutral work with the parties uh, to try to find a common resolution which the parties themselves would uh, then agree to. And, and so it's much more akin to what we know of in commercial mediation. So uh, the ICSID rules provide for one or two mediators. So it provides for co-mediation being a potential. It provides for 
uh, one of the parties, it can be the state or the investor, raising uh, the uh, desire for mediation with the uh, exit uh, secretariat and uh, the secretariat then reaching out to the other party uh, to see whether they'd be amenable to mediation. And if so, uh, then their mediation rules would come into play. They would either the parties themselves uh, agree, the mediator or mediators or exit uh, can, can also appoint if the parties uh, desire uh, that to be the case. And um, the, the mediation process, which we understand from commercial mediation, uh, would very much uh, be followed through the, the exit mediation rules. There are, there are differences. So let's look for a moment at the challenges. And, and let me ask you this, going to the South African jurisdiction. First of all, what happens in a country like South Africa where South Africa is not a member of exit? How are investor-state disputes, how would they typically be dealt with? And how could they operate outside exit? Yeah, so the ICSID rules uh, are actually drafted so you needn't be a party to ICSID. So the rules can be used in effect ad hoc as well, uh, simply as mediation rules. So if the parties adopt them, they can be utilized. There are another set of rules that have been specifically drafted for uh, investment uh, disputes, and those are the IBA rules. So IBA has uh, investment uh, mediation rules, which were drafted actually back in 2011. So they were the first ones that actually came up with the concept of using mediation in, in this way. So if you wanted a, a set of rules, you could look to either one of those. So those could be adopted by the parties. The interesting thing which the ECT has actually been leading on is, first of all, the ECT created a set of uh, mediation guidelines. They're, they're quite extensive and they give parties a good idea of what mediation is and how it might be used in this context. Again, for South Africa, it might be worth taking a look at those guidelines and, and seeing how they might be applied uh, within the South African context uh, with, with its investors. Uh, so it's simply a guideline. They aren't rules, but they, but they are a good guideline. CEDAR has, in the last year, also developed uh, guidelines, uh, which it did with um, a number of international law firms working together with these law firms that uh, typically uh, either represent states or uh, investors. So it's a mixture of both. And uh, so there are also the CEDAR uh, Investor State Mediation Guidelines, which you could find online at the, uh, the CEDAR site. So that's, that's a good place to start, are these guidelines. The other important aspect uh, that states have found difficult with respect to mediation is having an internal framework through which mediation can actually be utilized by government uh, departments, by ministers, by those actually involved in the dispute. Because we know just from experience, uh, even in negotiating with states, that state representatives, the state civil servants, are typically reluctant to make decisions and to agree to settlements because they themselves could very well be then seen as responsible for those decisions. And if, it, if there is a lack of a framework within which that process has taken place, uh, they could be held to account, and often civil servants are very reluctant, of course, to be in that position. 
So having a framework that's already in place, which allows for mediation uh, to take place, is extremely important for a state. So if a state decides that you know, mediation is a process that they would want to utilize, then um, agreeing how mediation is to fit into that framework uh, beforehand, before the mediation even takes place, is important. And this is where the ECT has also been very helpful by creating uh, what they call a model instrument for states to adopt, which basically sets out a process whereby uh, the state can deal with disputes that are brought against the state. So it needn't be mediation per se. It's a framework uh, for any type of dispute that the state is involved in to be uh, to be followed so that uh, there's a framework there that the civil servants can uh, can uh, abide by and and know that they have a um, at least a, a recourse to an argument as to why they've done a certain thing because it's already part of their own internal guideline. So you've described or you've identified sources of rules. You've suggested an internal framework for a party, a particularly a state, to develop a negotiation strategy. I would imagine that one of the one of the challenges is, and perhaps the internal framework addresses this, one of the challenges is just getting a mandate from government for the negotiation process. Am right. I right? Am yes, I right? Ab absolutely. And, and that, you're right, the framework does attempt to address that by uh, setting up the, um, the body which is responsible for that negotiation. Um, and it may be a, uh, a group of ministers that are responsible, and that rotates depending on which ministry is involved, but maybe the Ministry of Justice and the Ministry of Finance are always part of that committee because they always have a role to play in those discussions. But uh, there is a body that uh, is authorized to deal with a particular dispute and then has the authority to uh, negotiate, be it through a facilitated negotiation like mediation, maybe a direct negotiation. Um, but that, that body has the authority. And then there's also guidance as to who has to authorize any settlement. So um, that that might require a full cabinet decision, depending on what it is. It might require the prime minister to sign off on it. Whatever that is, that framework is already in place. So it's not something that has to be determined ad hoc, which then creates issues, but rather it's already in place. Yes. So an agreement on the dispute resolution process and then having these rules and instruments frameworks in place is really important. Now, for what about for the mediator mediating in this context? What are some of the challenges in mediating an investor state type dispute? Uh, the kind of mediation I'm referring to is the, is the process we're familiar with, the typical commercial mediation experience or a commercial mediation process. Right. And as I said, I mean, the, the uh, ICSID rules do contemplate something similar to a commercial mediation process, but there's more emphasis placed on uh, the front end of the mediation. So it's really the process design element, which is critical in an investment situation. 
because there you um, may uh, have uh, more than simply the parties involved uh, in the dispute that have to get some type of recognition or standing within the mediation. So stakeholder mapping is a very important element that the mediator will develop together with the, uh, the parties uh, who should be at the table. So that could also first involve the government itself. So, you know, as we discussed, a number of ministries might be involved, you know, how, who is the spokesperson and, and who, and how are the other ministries then involved in the process itself? There may be uh, uh, various levels of government that are involved. Maybe there's a federal government, there's a state government, there's a community as well. So the community element might be very important to the investment, particularly if there's a community issue, there's a mine, uh, for example, uh, there might be environmental issues. Uh, so there might be uh, also some representation from the uh, environmental uh, side involved, might be NGOs involved in it. In any event, it, the stakeholder mapping exercise that takes place at the outset is going to be very different, um, certainly more complex than in a commercial mediation. And so that will take some time that will have to be developed between the mediator or mediators and, and the, uh, the parties. So that is the, the front end that is, is slightly different. There are other elements, though, that are different, and that is this isn't purely a commercial dispute. In most cases, there are other considerations that the government has uh, or has to bring into play. I mean, there will be political considerations, certainly, uh, for the government. There will be uh, perhaps social uh, implications as well, certainly be financial implications uh, and uh, so all of those uh, play a role in this and also play a role uh, in the way the mediator is going to develop um, their own strategy with respect to uh, the, uh, the mediation. So uh, those are complexities which typically won't arise in, in a commercial situation. And then there's uh, also the transparency aspect of it, which is very different. Typically in commercial mediations, Parties want you know full confidentiality. They they want the matter to be maintained as confidential and private, um, and that won't be an issue because usually most both parties want that to be the case. Here, of course, the state has certain transparency obligations also to its citizens, particularly where it's an investment that might have become quite public, and the dispute might have become quite public as well. Uh, and so there's an interest uh, to know what's going on. And again, uh, this is important from the legitimacy perspective as well, because you don't want this just to be an agreement behind closed doors that people then suspect later on uh, when something uh, is resolved. And so to give it legitimacy, there has to be some transparency. And that discussion has to take place between the mediator and the parties as well. What's the degree of transparency? How will transparency take place? Will there be, for example, a press protocol that's agreed between the parties? You know, how does that protocol work? Who has to agree to the press statements that are made and who drafts the press statements and how often are they made? And that has to be agreed beforehand. I mean, that's uh, all part of it. So, so that's an important element. And then finally, I think an important element, which is going to be slightly different, it's just with respect to the settlement. How is that settlement ratified, particularly on the part of the state? 
uh, because that might have to go through a particular ratification process. So again, that's something you'd want to discuss at the front end so everybody uh, knows what the expectations are. And then um, that uh, process will have to be followed if there is a settlement at the end of the day. So uh, those are, are things that you know are, are similar to commercial mediation, but certainly are nuances that are uh, slightly different and, and uh, may have a different emphasis than they would in commercial mediation. Can you give me an example of a matter that either you've been involved in or that you know about where some of these challenges have arisen and have been overcome in interesting ways? So there, there have been, um, and statistically, uh, ICSID's uh, statistics show that probably one third of the cases that are commenced uh, within ICSID um, are uh, never, never then go to a hearing. Now, there can be different reasons for that. It may be people simply abandon uh, the case. Uh, but uh, it appears that uh, a, a certain number of those are certainly settled. Uh, so they could be settled through direct negotiation between the parties. But we also know that there are cases that have been settled through facilitated negotiation or mediation in particular. So that is becoming more popular. In fact, there are some of the bilateral investment treaties, so the treaties that give investors standing to bring a case against a, a state, actually uh, now 53 of them have mediation provisions, and five of them actually have mandatory mediation provisions. So you have to mediate with the uh, with the state if you're before you bring uh, an article claim. So so that it's mediation is now becoming something that is more normal and part of the process. There have been uh, several cases that have been reported as well, again, because of this transparency element uh, of it. So it's not unusual that we know of some of the mediations taking place. There was a reported case uh, two years ago, which involved the D Dominican Republic and a, a power company uh, that was uh, successfully uh, mediated. Again, uh, part some of the aspects of it, like uh, stakeholder representation, bringing in uh, some uh, of the other parties, or, or at least uh, interested uh, uh, third parties, like funders, for example, uh, who uh, might not be part of the arbitration process, but were part of the mediation process. Things like the transparency uh, was dealt with in that case because there were press releases that were made. And then finally, the, uh, the uh, agreement, uh, the settlement agreement at the end, which, which allowed the power company to continue to operate, but under uh, different terms than, than had originally been agreed with the Dominican Republic. So those were all, you know, interesting elements uh, which uh, demonstrated that um, it could be successful in this type of forum. And the parties actually had a better result than if it had simply gone to arbitration, because arbitration typically will simply award a monetary amount in, in the way of damages. Uh, which obviously doesn't allow investments then to continue. I mean, once you go down that route, uh, there won't be a continuing relationship between the parties. There is a lot of interest from states, uh, and CEDAR has been approached uh, in a number of situations. 
uh, to at least discuss with states the possibility of utilizing mediation. This has even taken place in in, in Africa, and and uh, so there've been uh, a, a number of situations in Africa uh, where uh, CEDA has been approached to talk about the process and and the process design element, and that that's the starting point really for any of of these. Uh, types of uh, of um, mediated uh, situations. So it's something that uh, I think uh, has has great potential and a real future. I think the key, in particular, in particular, if we're looking at Africa, is for uh, governments to understand first of all what what mediation is. How the mediation process can actually be an opportunity for them to develop more direct financial investment in the country and that mediation really can become part of the grievance process that they put in place for investors so that investors know that there is a process that they can utilize if an issue arises with the state. I think that has the best prospect for success in in countries uh, that are interested in, in uh, direct foreign investment. Fascinating, Wolf. Thank you very much. I particularly appreciate one of your last points about outcome. We know from our mediation experience how much richer and more effective the outcome of mediation can be than the outcome of any adjudicated process, be it litigation or the arbitration process that is so often followed in these matters, and even better as well than the conciliation process that you described. So we really look forward to taking this matter further in our webinar, which will be taking place in November. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome, Felicity. Thank you.